What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse. You got me and Greg, as always. I know it's been a couple weeks, or probably more than that, almost like a month, but we yeah. are back. <laughs> it's been a month, like November, <laughs> since we've done this. Yes, uh, we did miss, like, the post. Yeah, yeah. We did miss the post-Michigan game debacle, if you want to call that. So we'll kind of quickly go over that um, before we get into the college football playoffs with Ohio State. Um, we're also going to talk about Cincinnati. They had some pretty big moves in the past week. And then we're going to go ahead and talk about the Bengals, the Jackets, and finish off with the Cavs in this episode. So let's rip the Band-Aid off. I know everybody's kind of been wallowing in it the past couple of weeks, but uh, let's just go ahead and get Greg's like initial reaction from the, the Michigan game, and then I'll uh, give mine, and then we'll, uh, we'll move on. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% sure this Jim Knowles experiment worked out the best of their ability. It just uh, just didn't seem like the defense was playing to the best of their capabilities. I think they are better than what they were playing at, and then his uh, defensive schemes just didn't seem to work. Uh, I want to say not only all year, but there was definitely something to watch that we were paid attention to all year, and then it drastically showed in, in this uh, – Ohio State Michigan game that that the uh, second half they were just kind of blown out. Um, so, you know, they were a better team I think in the first half, but the the second half just um didn't do too well and um they didn't come away with that win. I've said this all season. Three things are going to undo this team. And it's that they for whatever reason, whatever culture that Ryan Day has has built there they're soft. They don't want to win in the trenches. And for some reason, they can't grind out wins when they when they're down or when they need to. Um, the second thing is that this defense gives up too many big plays and they missed on their secondary recruits. The guys in the secondary, they're not bad. Like, I'm sure they can get better and they can improve. It's Ohio State, right? but I don't think that they're to the par that we've seen in the past. And in the Michigan game, Jim Knowles left them on an island because in the past he could have with guys like Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore, Eli Apple. I could go on and on and on. But those aren't these guys. These guys can't be left on an island. They can't play man-to-man coverage. And I understand they loaded the box to stop the run, but what did that get you other than five or, what, three big play touchdowns that were like more than 50 yards down the field? throughout the game so it just i i don't know and and he could have made adjustments but then when they made adjustments and put more defensive backs on the field they ran all over him in in the fourth quarter so i i don't know if this i guess that's that's where i'm at with this team on the defensive side and then the third thing is that we got to watch cj stroud last year and a lot of the things that we kind of said he needed to improve on i don't think he really did like He's not the guy to win you the game. He, for some reason, in big time situations, he shrinks. He panics when he doesn't need to. He doesn't make good decisions with the football. Like, I think he's a talented guy. I think that with the right development, he could be successful at the next level, but it's all dependent on him. And, and I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. Like, I think CJ Stroud might need another year in college football. Because, or he'd be more of a developmental guy at the next level where maybe he'd go 
and sit for two or three years before he's given a chance to start in the NFL. But I don't know. It's definitely yeah. – this team is not – sorry, you go ahead. He's not going to start like Justin Fields came out and started. No, it's I – just not – And but how much of this do you think is play calling? How much do you think of this is actually the OC? And how much do you think is Ryan Day – well, Ryan, Ryan Day, Ryan Day is the OC, so that's okay. there, therein lies the problem with that. Is like, I don't know. I, I think, I think the play calling all around in that Michigan game could have been a lot better. There were a lot of things that that were done, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that you were like, ah. But I think you you can only do so much as the play caller. The guy's got to go out there and play the game, right? And I think that offense should be way more explosive than what it is. And we've seen guys with like CJ Stroud is a talented guy, like his arm talent. He makes throws and you're like, there's very minimal guys in Ohio state history who played the quarterback position that could make that throw. Right. And CJ Stroud is very talented, but he doesn't have that, like that it factor. He's not, a, he doesn't seem like he's a very good leader. He seems very quiet. And when he needs to put the team on his back and win the game, he can't, he can't do it and he he shrinks in those big moments and he panics and that's a huge thing like <laughs> you can't you can't be that way you know i don't it's just like i don't want to be mean or rude but that's just kind of what we saw that last year and that was okay because it was his first year starting right you could be like okay well it was his first year as a starter in college football he's on a big stage you know yada 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 he's got to improve on that but he he didn't you know what i mean like i i don't know how you give him I almost kind of it's it's like the JT Barrett intangible. Like JT Barrett was not like the most talented quarterback, but he he had the ability to to lead guys, make them better around him by his leadership. And then for some for some reason he played huge in big moments. And I don't think that CJ Stroud has that ability to to do that or he just hasn't unlocked it yet. I don't I don't know how you get him to get to that next level and it seems a little bit too late. In, in the season. How much do you think of that is is Dave trying to force balance on the offense where he's trying to, to mix the, the run with the pass? I mean, without a healthy Mayan Williamson, the Buckeyes have been a poor running team, especially in the second half of the season. Um, you know, so I think but he has he needs... but he has those two guys that um his was it Trotman um who who was in the Michigan game and then he didn't even play um, oh, I can't think of his name. That's gonna bug me. But it didn't even play the guy who ran for two hundred some yards the week prior, who won them the game against Maryland. They almost lost against Maryland. And you talking about Harrison? Yes, yes, I believe that's his yeah, name. Okay. So, um, but he didn't. They didn't even play him. He ran. He rushed the ball two times. So it's like they they have the ability. They have the depth at the running back position to to do it. And like you, but you you can't be one div- one dimensional. That's that's the thing too. Is Ohio State's never been one dimensional. They've always had a dominant back, and they've always had a guy in at the quarterback position that could go out and win them games. You know what I mean? Like they may not be the most talented quarterback, but they've always had that like that dog in them to go out there and win the game. And CJ Stroud doesn't seem like he has that dog in him to do it. Like he just w- when something goes wrong, it's like what are you supposed to do? I mean, this is two years in a row that that in the the biggest game of the season pretty much that that he's shrunk and the rest of that team has followed with him because if your quarterback can't can't play big or can't motivate the guys to play big then the rest of the team isn't going to be able to do it like there's 
You know what I mean? Like if you're the guy who's supposed to be your main leader on the team can't do it, what are you supposed to do? I don't. And we got, we got beat. Like they out, they they wanted it more. And that's the other thing too is like it goes back to that first point I made the culture like it it hasn't seemed like because this last year and this year these are Ryan Day's guys. I think when you look at his first like what his first two years as head coach. Those were Urban Meyer's guys that he recruited. Now, obviously, Completely. there were some, there were some guys that probably stayed or went because of Ryan Day, right? But the majority of those guys, those were those were Urban Meyer's guys. The only guy that wasn't was Justin Fields, and, but now these are his guys. These are his 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 guys that he recruited. He put these guys in those positions. This is his coordinators, and we're seeing we're seeing the result of that. And is that is that the world that we want to live in, where? Okay, cool. Against every other Big Ten team, we could win, but we can't beat we can't beat the top of the Big Ten. I mean, what happens when Penn State gets better? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're going to recruit better. Wisconsin, we'll talk about it later, but they just hired a head coach that that is pretty good at recruiting um, and stealing guys away from Big Ten schools. And and what happens when they improve and get better? Right? Like, I I don't know. So are you calling for Ryan Day's head on a pike? I mean, is that, is that what you're saying? Because I heard a lot of chatter of bring back Urban um, after I mean, this. that's just they, – they could, but I, I don't know, like, I don't know what the result of that is. You know what I mean? Like, that's – I don't think that Ryan Day should be fired. But I think it's, I think it's all going to depend on how we look against Georgia. If Georgia just blows us out and it looks like another, like, just bad loss, like against Michigan – and then we go into next season, and he he loses to Michigan three years in a row, which is a possibility because they're not getting any worse. And we got to go to Ann Arbor to play them next year, so it's it's not easy to like it shouldn't be easy to beat Michigan, but you can't lose to them this way. It'd be different if it was like if it was this back and forth battle or this defensive battle, and and the two losses yeah. were like a last minute field goal or a last minute touchdown or whatever it may be. Like that's so much different, but they manhandled us two years in a row. And if they do it for a third year in a row, especially that second half, it just seemed like everybody gave up and yeah, three years in a row in Ann Arbor. But I just don't see our recruiting class being that strong to, to make, you know, game changers. And if CJ actually goes into the NFL um, and declares for the draft, then what you know? Who do we have down the pike that's actually going to to step up in that role? And I I don't see any big names popping out. I mean, do you? Is that a? I mean, they have they have a couple guys that that committed to the twenty twenty three class that are supposed or one guy that committed to the twenty twenty three class is supposed to be really good. I, I forget his name, but but I don't know if he's going to want to start him as as a freshman. Like, but again, we live in this world of of name image and likeness. And if you don't start a guy who's a top five quarterback in the country that you recruit in as a freshman, are they like Quinn Ewers? He's just going to leave. He's going to enter the transfer portal and say, deuces, have fun with what you got. So I, I don't know. And, and again, I think that they have every guy in that secondary other than Latham ransom, they missed on when they recruited. And that's something that you like, we don't normally see like these aren't guys that, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't want to be rude to them, but maybe it's, they just haven't been developed correctly, and that's a complete possibility. But I, I just we don't we just don't see the same talent like on this team. The, yes, the wide receiving core has been has been out of this world, 
but that's because of Brian Hartline because he's he's literally bringing these guys in here promising that they're going to go to the NFL and make tons of money and they do like I mean look at Michael Thomas Terry McLaurin you know Curtis Samuel the list goes on and on and on and on and now you got Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in there doing amazing things as rookies and you know that's why the wide receiving core is probably the only thing that keeps this school afloat at this point and then the offensive line our offensive line has always been pretty strong we always produce pretty strong offensive linemen but outside of that the past two years and again these are all Ryan Day's guys name me a guy on the defensive line who's been dominant like a Bosa brother like a Chase Young yeah I mean we have we, we haven't had that having like defensive player of the year you know guys you know, make five six years in a row to having you know nobody yeah I mean the linebacking core when was the last time we had a Ryan Shazier when was the last time you know we had a, a I know that we have Baron Browning and and Pete Warner in the NFL right now and they're doing really good but I and then in the secondary again when was the last time we had a Malik Hooker at safety when was the last time we had a Denzel Ward at the cornerback position like I mean Jordan Fuller at the safety position has been all right in the NFL but I don't know. It's like it it just seems like that side of the ball has been neglected because Ryan Day came in as an offensive minded guy and that's who they're recruiting because they want to be a high flying offense. But that's you can't really win that way in the Big Ten because a lot of these teams grind out wins and and it's it's a it's a defense run first kind of um, conference, especially when it gets cold. And if you can't stop that on defense, then what are you going to do? So I don't know. I don't know. I've said it a bunch. Ryan Day recruits based on scheme. Urban Meyer recruited based on the best possible athletes that he could get on the team. And he figured out where they fit and he figured out how to make an offense fit around those guys. I mean, he was a guy who wanted to run an RPO offense where you had a running quarterback. And then guess what? He had a guy in Dwayne Haskins, who is arguably the best quarterback in Ohio State history. And he said, oh, you're not very mobile? Cool, we're going to change the offense to be a pass-first offense around you. And guess what happened? He threw 50-some touchdowns. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's and that, I think that's where we're missing it. And Urban Meyer would be – I mean, I guess he could come back, but with everything that happened, would that be the best idea? I, I don't know. So I could beat this like a dead horse. but <laughs> <laughs> um, Georgia, I – Georgia's a lot like Michigan. They're they're they don't I think Stetson Bennett's a lot better passer than what he was last year, but they have a good run game. They're really solid on defense. They're they're I think they're a better version of Michigan. So we got manhandled by Michigan. How do we go into Georgia and not get manhandled? I mean, that's I I, I don't I don't know. I, if we do the same thing, it's not going to look good. But <laughs> like what do you think? Yeah, I mean, like going back to what I said, that they, they, Brian Day needs us to not focus on, um, you know, forcing the balance in the offense. It, it comes down to, um, you know, if the run's not there early on to to start throwing and you know, throwing up the middle and actually trying to give someone an opportunity to make a big play rather than just being uh, to the point where if he doesn't, you know, if he gets to his checkdowns and it just doesn't happen that he, he just tries to run the ball and get out of there. Um, 
you know, here if he ends up trying to throw 50 times, uh, if that's the best way to move the ball against the Bulldogs, then it needs to be done. And, and Brian Dane needs to stop being stubborn when it comes to that aspect of, of playmaking. And that's, I think, a way to beat Georgia and just step up against Stetson Bennett because Stetson Bennett is a beast. To me, uh, watching him um, was it the LSU game. Uh, it, it just. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a good quarterback and he's, yeah. I mean, deep I'm, ball plays. He's yeah. making, you know, quick passes. He was making, you know, those receivers were just where they needed to be, when they needed to be. And he was there. And, and, uh, you know, if, if you're asking me what, what Ohio state needs to do to beat uh, Georgia is a wing and a prayer because uh, <laughs> it, it just doesn't seem likely in, and I, I seem that I, I talked to a few, you know, my friends that we said that. So they do beat Georgia, you know, and it comes out, you know, that they have a gritty win and they win it out. Then they got to go right back against Michigan because I don't see Michigan uh, falling to TCU at all. That's a weird. That's a weird game though that Michigan drops sometimes, and TCU is. They're, they sh- they should beat TCU. That's the thing. Yeah. But TCU is. They're they're hurt after that loss, and I think sometimes when you have a loss like that, that 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 is going to be the biggest determining factor. Is we have two teams going into the playoffs with their last game being them being utterly dominated by the other team. And also, you got to look at this way: we've had a couple time, we've had a, like a, an extra week off, so that can either hurt us or help us because you've got the extra week of rest, or versus that you've got to shake the cobwebs off to go in there and to do something. So I think the only way towards the national championship for Ohio state is if TCU um, beats Michigan and we beat Georgia, and then we go against TCU for the, for the title. And that's something that nobody wants to watch at all. No, I don't think nobody would want to watch it. Like I said, I think TCU is not, they shouldn't beat Michigan on paper. Right. But and this this is the only way that Ohio State beats Georgia, and it's the same way that only that TC only beats Michigan, is that they look back at that last loss and they never want to feel that way again. You would think that C.J. Stroud would have figured it out, right? He went into Ann Arbor last year and they lost bad to Michigan. They got dominated. You would think that he kind of had that in the back of his head and he would never want to feel that way again. But maybe even he heard all the whispers. Oh, it was just his first year. It's okay. It's a one-time fluke. It is what it is. This is Ohio State. We beat Michigan here. This is what happens. Look at the past 20 years. Maybe he heard all that shit. Maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't think that he had to go out there and play his best game. But he he ha, he ha, he has to he has to feel that now he has to feel what it felt like to lose at home bad to a rival to the only game that really matters to Ohio State fans in the regular season. Like I'm not saying that us beating everybody else doesn't matter, but us beating Michigan is the only thing that really matters to Ohio State fans. It's like it, it's like a holiday for for Ohio people. <laughs> like they all get together and they they want to either watch Ohio state lose or they want to watch Ohio state win. That's, that's how it goes. And that's how the rivalry has been. Even when Michigan was being dominated by Ohio state, it was still this, this big thing of like, yes, haha, we beat them. But he has to channel that, that like hurt, that sadness. And he has to go out there and he has, he has to play dominant. He has to become something else. And if he doesn't, 
then the rest of this team is going to feel the same. And when Georgia goes up by two touchdowns and Ohio State struggling on offense and their defense can't stop the pass and they're letting big plays go and the air out of the stadium is coming down and the Georgia fans are just screaming, this team is going to go with them if they can't if they can't figure out how to just win. I, I, I don't know. And that's the same with TCU. They have to look at this past loss where they got dominated and they have to take that or that hurt and that sadness in this into this game against Michigan, and they they have to win. They have to use that to win, because if they don't, they're not going to. And I I don't know what else to say. That's the only thing because talent wise, Georgia has a ton of NFL dudes, and when you look at Ohio State, their wide receiving core has NFL dudes, and their offensive lineman has NFL dudes. But honestly, if I'm if I'm an NFL franchise, if C.J. Stroud goes out there and lays an egg against Georgia. I don't know if he's a first round pick anymore. No. I don't know. He's a first round pick now to be made at all, anyways. I think I think if somebody wanted to take a uh take a chance on him at the end of the first round, so they had the fifth year option on him, I don't think that'd be a bad deal at this point. But if he goes out there and lays an egg against Georgia, I think that his that that his first round and I wouldn't take him in the first round. I would take him maybe in the second or the third, but I wouldn't take him in the first. Like that's it, and that and that's that sucks to say, but it just is what it is at this point. Like he's he's got to show everybody that he has that dog in him and that he wants to win. So I guess we'll see. The last thing for Ohio State is I just wanted to get your opinion on on how disappointing it has been that we basically never got to watch Jackson Smith and Jigba play this year. Like he went down with that injury, and I'm I asked you. I think probably like uh, two months ago, if we'd ever see him play again. And I know we had that back and forth where we were unsure, but you thought that we might, but we just haven't. And basically said that he's just going to stay in rehab and get ready for the draft. So he's not even going to play in the playoffs. So I guess how disappointing is that? I mean, I think it's, it's disappointing. He's even said how disappointing it is. I mean, you know, his exact words, it's I'm so disappointed. It's more than you can imagine. Uh, you know, you did everything you could to help this team get back on the field. Sometimes things just don't work out as you plan. Um, I don't know. And like, how severe was this hamstring injury? Like, I've seen guys come back from much worse faster. And I, it, I don't, I'm not saying I'm, I'm calling foul or I'm calling like um, anything, but it just seems like almost like he never had the intent of playing this season or never had the intent of fully playing at all, especially when he came out against, I think, what was his last game against um, Penn Penn State or what what game was his last game? Yeah, I think he played, like, a couple snaps against Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. So Or no, it was was whoever we played the week before, I think. Yeah, so... Forget. It's just I don't... uh, And maybe this goes back to the culture. Maybe it goes back to... Uh, a rift with the um, coaching staff and, and Ryan Day. Like, and, and this is kind of, I mean, I'm not trying to start any any gossip or anything, but with this, the team not playing up to their capabilities and key players not really seeming to be able to get better from their, what would seem to be just minor injuries. Is there something else going on in that locker room that we're not aware of? And is there something that made him just decide, you know what, I 
I showed my gas in in the game against Utah. Uh, you know, I, I put a national stage, and and everybody's going to remember that for me. And so, if I just kind of sit out this year, um, that I can go into the draft with that still on my plate and be able to show that that's what I'm capable of, and you know, secure a high draft pick rather than going and, and playing with a subpar team that he knows is not going to be something that, that is going to allow him to demonstrate his abilities. I don't know. That's a good point. I, I have I have no idea. Honestly, this is one of those things that's like weird because I know I know hamstring injuries linger, right? It's like a it's like a sprained ankle or a sprained wrist. Like you could you could be down for a week you could be down for two months it just depends on how your body reacts to it and i know he missed like four or five games then he tried to come back and then he landed on it weird and and it re-aggravated it and it's one of those things again like a sprained wrist or a sprained ankle that you it's super easy to re-aggravate um and i i don't know i don't know what is going on because we haven't really seen um henderson as much this season either he's he's had his like the the injury that he's been dealing with all season so and and he just hasn't been right and then maya williams mayan williams has always been in and out with injuries since he's been in ohio state i don't know if that's necessarily like an ohio state training staff kind of thing i just think mayan williams isn't the most durable durable guy but it, it is weird when you talk about your two biggest offensive threats outside of what we thought C.J. Stroud was going to be um, at the beginning of the season. We thought it was going to be C.J. Stroud, um, Henderson, and then uh, Jackson. And we thought those three guys were going to dominate the offense and they were going to lead us to you know the playoffs. But we've been missing two of them. And I, I don't know what that necessarily means. You know what I mean? I don't know why. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It could just be that whatever injuries they have are just lingering injuries and their bodies just can't heal the right way that they want them to heal. I don't know. I have no idea. I'd love to love to figure it out, but <laughs> I'm sure they're keeping it tight-lipped. So, yeah, I'm disappointed because the way that he's able to run routes and affect games, he would have been nice to have, especially in the past game. Because he would have opened it up for all the other wide receivers as well, too. And uh, I think he would have made it easier for C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has his own downfalls that he needs to figure out. But I think he would have made it easier in a lot of situations. And and maybe he could have been the guy that, that was the leader that we needed. So, I don't know. But since we've spent so long talking about Ohio State, let's go ahead and <laughs> go about two hours south and talk about the Cincinnati Bearcats. And if you guys don't know, their big change is Luke Fickle left, which it's weird because I guess Greg and I literally had this conversation probably two times this season so far. And I think once over the summer that we were like, he's not leaving for a while. If he does leave, he's not going to leave for a while. Like he's going to see them into the Big 12. He's going to... He's gonna help them take that next step, and uh, yeah, he left. He would. I think your exact words were that he was gonna. The only way he'd leave is if it was the Ohio State job. Yeah, I I honestly thought that there was, because there was there was things swirling around Michigan when Jim Harbaugh was thinking about leaving and going to the NFL, but like, I thought honestly he was just kind of waiting for that Ohio State job to open back up, and no, he went to Wisconsin, which. 
we'll talk about in a bit. But for Cincinnati, I guess first, how big of a blow is this for Cincinnati losing Luke Fickle? I mean, I think it's a huge blow. Uh, you know, fixed in six years of Fickle's claim the throne of the, the winningest head coach in the history of the UC program, you know, I think is it 57 and 18 and 75 games and went to five straight bowl games. Mm-hmm. And it's just not something that, that was a an occurrence for them, you know, uh, in previous years, you know, dating back quite a bit. So uh, I think it's a big, big blow to them. Um, I think it's a great win for Wisconsin to be able to pick him up. I know that Fickle took some of his coaching staff with him to Wisconsin, so that kind of leaves a little bit of a um, things open uh, for Cincinnati. But when they uh, they hired Scott uh, Satterfield, uh, he brought some of his guys with him uh, over from uh, Louisville. So hopefully they'll be able to fit in real nice and continue that the dominance that UC has had over the last couple of years. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Satterfield. Uh, Cincinnati hired him as their um, next head coach. I think it was their forty third head coach. So after Luke Fickle's um, tenure there, he will be the next guy to take the helm. Um, he was the old coach at Louisville. Before that, he coached at App State for five seasons. He helped App State um, move from an FCS school to an FBS school, and we've kind of seen how relevant App State has been over the past. I want to say. 10 years pretty much and i think for sure um satterfield was a big reason for that in in the beginning uh his total record as a head coach is 76 and 48 but at louisville he was only 25 and 24 so i guess take that as you may um the other things for cincinnati going into next season they are joining the big 12 they're taking houston and ucf with them um and then they have their biggest coaching staff budget in program history in 10.65 million dollars which doesn't sound big because you look at other programs like Alabama who they're paying their coach $10 million a year. But for Cincinnati, that is their biggest. They are willing to spend the money on the coaching staff going forward. So with all that, with the new head coach, with the with the budget increasing, and then them moving into the Big 12, which is going to be a Power 5 conference, and um, they're taking Houston, UCF with them. Oh, man, who else is in the Big 12? I can't think. Let me look it up. Um, oh, there you go. The uh, Big 12, that's TCU, Kansas State. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, so they're losing Texas and Oklahoma, but they're adding uh, the three that I mentioned. But they still have West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Baylor. So they still have some pretty decent schools in there. But I, I would say outside of TCU and Kansas State, the rest of the conference is up for grabs if Cincinnati can kind of um, hit the ground running, but I guess what do you expect going forward next season for Cincinnati as we look at them, and then what do you think their like five year outlook is going to be as they they take this next chapter with their next head coach? Well, I mean, I definitely think that Satterfield is, you know, a great coach, and I, this was a good pickup for them um, as well. I mean, he runs more of a four two five defense, um, so puts more of an ev- emphasis on the front of the ball. Um, after kind of the Bearcats kind of relied on the three defensive linemen for the most part of Fickle's uh, mm-hmm. tenure. So um, one thing about uh, his tenure with Louisville is that they were second in the country with 43 sacks this season. And that that's, in, you know, I think in totaling third most turnovers in the nation with 28 takeaways. 
So that that that's a pretty good stat to bring with you to um, mm-hmm. to Cincinnati, and I think that that you know he's going to be able to translate that over to uh, the the UC offense and defense, and I, I, I see uh, continued dominance in that 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 particular. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, conference. Thank you. Couldn't say, <laughs> couldn't say the word conference. That's okay. <laughs> no, I. Satterfield's more of an offensive-minded coach compared to Luke Fickle's defensive-minded coach. So Cincinnati's going to change from what we've seen them be. But if he can bring over his coordinators on the defensive side of the ball and they can continue that dominance, I, that would be. It's it's going to be. A, I hope that this team continues to ascend right i think the one thing that we saw with luke fickle was like they were kind of where they were at um recruiting wise and i'll I'll get into the the differences in recruiting here in a bit but they they didn't have the greatest recruiting classes at cincinnati but they were good enough that they could compete at a high level especially a couple years ago when they made the college football playoffs so i think that that's one thing that as they get into a power five conference in the big 12 they're going to be able to get you know better recruits that are going to look at them and and i think that hopefully they can continue to ascend and and hopefully we continue to have two programs within ohio that that we can talk about as as a consistent top 25 college program within the country we've been kind of spoiled with that the past two or three seasons but i don't know definitely interesting um let's get into luke fickle a little bit before we move into the nfl obviously he's going to wisconsin um, I kind of just wanted to throw this out there. So the team that he's taking over the past three years, recruiting wise, um, in 2020, they had the 28th best class, 2021, the 14th best class, but last year they had the 46th best class. Um, so he's kind of walking into a team where he's going to have to build it up similar to what he did in Cincinnati. Um, the only thing I will say is that Cincinnati's past recruiting classes weren't much better than this past year's. Um, I think he averaged right around 40 the past three years in his recruiting class, and he was able to win at a high level with those guys. So his the way he's able to develop the coordinators that he puts in position, they put their guys in position to be successful. So in being at Wisconsin in the Big Ten, he should be able to attract some some bigger-name recruits, and, and hopefully that defensive-minded will help him out. But how how do you think you know Fickle will fare at Wisconsin in the Big Ten going forward? Uh, I think there's a lot of pros and not too many cons when it comes to this this hiring. I think he's going to fare quite well. Um, you know, first off, we talked about it a lot uh, just over the last little, you know few minutes or so. But he's a home run hire. I mean, you know, they were nine and three the, the season, then they went thirteen and one, uh, nine and one. Uh, you know, they're they're a great. Um, he's a great pickup and coach wise um, he's got a history of building programs you know look how lowly Cincinnati was before Fickle arrived and he built them into this cusp of a national championship type of team I think he's got the recruiting Um, I think that you know he prioritizes uh, aggressive uh, play and I think it was kind of able to elevate players to um, better than what we expected of them Um, and that was something that that kind of shocked us, especially talking about last year with with that 13 uh, and O team or 13 and one team. Sorry, um, I guess they the lost Alabama counts as a loss, but 
you know, we, a lot of players stepped up big that we just, who is that? Who is that again? Like, yeah. what, what guy is that? Like, okay, the, you know, to, to bring just no-name type caliber guys up to that national stage says a lot about his recruiting, says a lot about his just ability to coach. So um, the only real thing that's going to affect him is that this transfer, what happens is that you lose some – there's a lot of players that, that you know, when they – decided to play for the Badgers. They decided to play because of their, that coach. And they came in with that coach. And when that coach leaves, that coach gets fired. You bring in a new coach, there's going to be a little bit of a um, transition and some players are going to go somewhere else. So, you know, we'll see if they stay following the news that, that Fickle took over, you know, uh, was it uh, Braylon Allen will be the biggest name to watch to see if he actually sticks around. Um, so, you know, the rumors, I think that he's already been kind of recruited by some other teams. So we'll see if he stays loyal to the coaching staff that, that still remains at Wisconsin. Um, I don't know if that's the only real, that, that immediate future is kind of unclear. And that's the only con I see with this fickle uh, pickup. Yeah, I mean, he's it's going to be, I don't expect him to, you know, be competing for a Big Ten championship next year. I think it'll take him a couple years to get to that point. But, no, it's a good hire. It'll take him a couple years to get his guys in there that he wants. And uh, and then, but once once he does that, once he builds that program up, which we know that he can, um, Wisconsin will be, you know, a, a, a threat within the Big Ten again. So, and, and the Big Ten's going to be a, a pretty good conference going forward when you talk about Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, UCLA, um, you're you're gonna have and and Maryland is starting to get better with with the coach that they have. Obviously, they can only do what they can do with their recruits that are gonna look at them, but they're continuing to get better. And uh, and the rest of the conference is always pretty hard to play too. So it'll be pretty fun to watch. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the Bengals real quick. They are playing the Browns this week. Um, do you see them being able to continue their win streak against the Browns this week? I know Deshaun Watson came back. Um, last week, I don't think he played awful, but he definitely looked like he was kicking the rest off the tires. But um, do you think the Bengals continue their 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 dominant win streak here? And I think Jamar Chase should hopefully we should see him a little bit back to normal in this game. So what do you think? Yeah, I I know I dogged him last year, but uh, I, I ate my crow at the end of the season last year, and, and I, I I just. Joey Dimes is just, I mean, the kid's phenomenal. I think it was that 19 straight games with a passing touchdown that leads, leads the league. Um, Jamar Chase is back. I think Mixon still might be out. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a game day decision or not. Um, but it just, Cincinnati's no joke. And if yeah. we're talking about the Browns, I hope Deshaun Watson breaks his ankle. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough one. That sucks. I feel bad for the rest of the guys on the roster, but I, I do hope for uh, nothing but sadness going forward as long as he's the quarterback of the team. So, But, but speaking of the Browns, um, what do you think about uh, Baker going to the Rams? I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess it is what it is. He can't play much worse than Matthew Stafford is playing. So, yeah. I th- honestly think the, the Rams did that just be- so that the 49ers didn't get him because the 49ers are looking at picking him off of waivers too. So, I don't know. Who knows? 
I think big, big, this will be Baker Mayfield's last chance. If he can't prove to everybody that he can be successful somewhere, then I think he'll, uh, he either won't have a job next year or he'll just be a backup somewhere for somebody. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, the Bengals should win this game. I think they're a more complete team. That offensive line is actually looking like a $70 million offensive line now. So I guess that's a good thing. For sure. All right, let's continue our little rapid fire here. The Blue Jackets, the question is, at 8-14-2 so far this season, and if you don't know what a plus-minus is, basically it's like players' contribution to the team. So either they're a negative contribution or they're a positive contribution. And so far this season, no player on the Blue Jackets roster has been a positive contribution to this season, to this team. Is it time to find a new head coach and a new upper management for the Columbus Blue Jackets? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just they're they're just garbage. I, mean, I think you could probably play a better goalie than than what they <laughs> the three that they have with my needs. <laughs> yeah, even that, I just you know, like they're 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 what is it minus thirty eight. Uh, goal differential I mean yeah. you know that was just I think in the first take 10 games like it's just their defensive woes have worsened I think that Patrick Lane injury threw him for a little bit of a loop and you know I don't know they're they're dysfunctional in power plays uh, just if you look at those scores it's just like it's the goaltending that that puts them in the bad spots and you know not that they've been overmatched a little bit I think that the you know the the first seven teams that they played this season were um, playoff teams. So playoff teams last season. So, um, I mean, that's a little bit of it, but if you just look at the scores, it's like, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing good, but they're losing, you know, the, the other team scoring four, six, seven, eight goals. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just sad. Yeah. We went from having a head coach who is more defensive minded and yes, we didn't score very many goals, but we didn't let up very many goals. So there was always, we were always grinding out wins, and there was always the opportunity that we could win the game if we scored, you know, the final goal. But it's not like we were letting six goals a game go. Now, under the new regime, it's all offensive based, but they can't keep up with the other teams who are scoring goals against them because they can't stop anything on defense. So it's like, we've gotten this like polar opposite where we couldn't score any goals and now we can score goals, but now we can't stop goals from happening. It's like, and it's really not honestly the goalie's fault because when you look at them, the majority of them, uh, I think um, Elvis has like a a 90% uh, save rate. And then Corpus has like a 89% save rate. And then there's a third guy that's been playing uh, a Texier or something. I forget his name, but he has like a 90 something percent save rate as well too. So you're like, you're not they're not doing bad but it's just the the amount of shots on goal you can't expect somebody to stop (laughs) when somebody's shooting 40 billion shots on goal a game you can't they're not going to stop all of them so it's a it's just i don't know i don't know what they need to do but there needs to be a change and i think this like all we were going to do a soft reset it didn't work it didn't work do a full reset tear it down to the studs and try to build a culture, build young and, and have a, a coach in there who actually is going to be able to coach both sides. Like you can't just have an offense or defensive minded guy anymore in sports. You have to have somebody who can do both or somebody who's okay with bringing another guy in who could help with the other side. So I, I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know what they do at this point, but we we went from a team that was at least competing for the playoffs every year to now we're just like, well, I guess if we win a game, then that's amazing. I don't like. Well, I don't. I don't know what to say anymore. So that sucks. All right. Well, let's go up north to a team that's actually winning. That's making us proud in Ohio here in the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they are sixteen and nine on the season, third in the East. If you guys want to know all the little fun stats about it, they got six guys averaging double digits in points. They're they're averaging the 18th most points scored um, in the NBA right now. They're 10th in field goal percentage, eighth in three point uh, percentage, and they're first in defensive rating. So just like last year, a dominant defense. I guess we're about a quarter of the way through the season. Knowing all that stuff that I just kind of stated there, Greg, I guess how do you feel that this season has gone so far? I know we made our predictions for the first 10. I think we were about right maybe a couple games off but how do you feel about the the season so far didn't expect them to beat the celtics that's for sure (laughs) i mean and you know i know it was like one of them was like you know in ot but that's yeah a win still a win and donovan mitchell's just just a beast i mean Mm -hmm. he's just he's on an absolute tear if you want to talk about just the 10 games that that you know we we picked in that first uh you know opening season in that first 10 games he was averaging 31.6 points per game um you know 4.7 rebounds a game his uh, field goal percentage was 51.3 um so his three points is what kind of is dragging him down a little bit i think he was at 43.4 i think that's gone up a little bit with the rest of the games that have been playing but like i said he's just going on an absolute tear he's scoring and an obscene amount um just mvp candidate type of stuff i just it's just been fun to watch it's one of those things that every time i can see it on on the tv i just that's what i'm doing for the next you know hour and a half two hours so mm-hmm. yeah and i think I, I, we said that i said that at the beginning of the season like i i was like i think we all don't realize how much of like a star that we just got like he's a bona fide star and we haven't had that in a while and you have a guy in darius garland who's becoming a bona fide star you have a guy in jared allen who's an all-star and you have a guy in evan mobley who could be a generational talent so you have a big four right now and it's looking pretty nice and if they can kind of grow and 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 figure it out obviously i I think i would have i would love their like offensive side of the game to be a little bit better but when you're holding guys to under 108 points a game then you can't really complain about that so especially in this more offensively heavy league at this point. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty happy about the beginning of the season. I think there's a few games that they could have won, but I mean, you can always be a critic about everything. So, (laughs) so I don't know. I'm definitely excited for the season and I think they should make a pretty deep run in the playoffs. I think we could see a potential, maybe Celtics Cavs, Eastern Um, conference, Eastern conference finals. I think that would be, that would be fun. It just depends on what Giannis and the Bucks are going to do, but a Bucks Cavs Eastern Conference Finals would be just as fun to watch as well too. So, and then uh, and then maybe they get to play like a team like the Suns or or the Grizzly in the finals, and that would be fun. That'd be a fun matchup. So, we'll just even be able to say that you know we can say that the Cavs are in that top three of mm-hmm. like you know Bucks Celtics Cavs is speaks just volumes as to what we thought of them last year and the years before and what we're getting from them now. Yeah. And the front office is making good decisions, which I think is the, 
is you know is 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 what is helping drive this team to this point. So and and as long as they they continue to do that, and as long as the guys continue to get better, hopefully we have lots of years of of having fun watching the Caps, <laughs> and we don't have to watch them dip down for a while. So that'll be fun. But um, yeah, that's pretty much all I had for all the topics. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about sports wise before we get into our double take segment? No, no, I think I'm good. Alrighty, well. Let's go ahead and uh, go into our double take segment here. Greg, what is the one thing you got for this episode? So this is kind of um, a weird combination, but what do gas masks and traffic lights have in common? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, other than reminding me of some of my days in high school and college in the dorm rooms, traffic lights and gas masks, but... Uh, for those of you who know, you know. But do you don't know what they have in common? I do not know. So, Garrett Morgan, a resident of Cleveland, Ohio, invented the gas mask and the traffic light. Hmm. He patented the uh, safety hood in 1914, and in 1916, he made headlines with the gas mask as he was used to rescue 32 men trapped during an explosion in an underground tunnel 250 feet beneath Lake Erie. He was also the first African-American to own a car in Cleveland. And in 1923, he patented the electric automatic traffic signal that eventually sold to General Electric for $40,000. And in 1923, $40,000 is a crap ton of money. So Garrett Morgan, resident of Cleveland, Ohio, invented the gas mask and the traffic light. That's amazing. And you know what? This fits... Right into I don't have like a I don't have a fun fact this week. It's more of like a statement. So I don't know if you see all like the Ohio memes. So there's like the Florida man memes or whatever, but there's a bunch of like Ohio memes where people like pick on Ohio like we suck or something like that. And there's the the one I saw the other day was that basically they're saying there's like 40 million kangaroos worldwide, and if you would drop them all in Ohio with like the average of there's like eight million people here, they said we'd have to all fight five of them. And they're basically saying that we would lose the kangaroos. So, <laughs> so these memes about Ohio guys, listen to the show because Greg alone has put us on this path of saying, of just giving off cool things that Ohio has produced, either people, products, whatever it may be. Ghosts. Remember the ghost one. Ghosts. Yes. Ghosts. We're, we're in different realms here. Okay. Ohio is cool. All right, there's cool things to come from Ohio. Stop shitting on us. All right. And if you're from Ohio, stop stop shitting on your own people. <laughs> Though kangaroos are pretty badass and they Yes, you know, yes, pretty, I know. I, I I think the kangaroo would get through at least three people, you know. I mean the, so you're saying that the five people or we'd have to fight five kangaroos or Yes. So each each of us would each of us would have to take out five kangaroos in order to win so yes do do i think that they would get through a good part of the population but i do think there's a good part of the population there's a good bit of us that probably it, now if we had to fight five at one time no i think we'd all die but yeah, if we yeah. could if if we could like if we could you know band together and there's like a thousand of us and we could yeah i think we could start picking them off you know what i mean like there's Yes, there's a good bit of people that would fail. So you're actually starting to talk about killing kangaroos. I think you might be pissing off some of our viewers in Australia. 
they're gonna they're down here to kill us. This is a theoretical war. Kangaroos versus Ohioans. It's either us or them, Greg. <laughs> and kangaroos can't play football. <laughs> they don't know. I mean, I guess they could, but they might be good punters. What if Ohio now this see this would be a good like stupid show on Netflix, Kangaroos Take Over Ohio. I don't know. Anyway, no, but the disrespect needs to stop. All right. Ohio's cool. Yes. There's lots of flat land here in cornfields, but there's other cool things. Like we have hills and valleys in Ohio State, all right, in <laughs> the Football Hall of Fame, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and a guy who created gas masks and traffic lights, and then a ghost. All right. We got ghosts here. Okay. We're cool. All right. That's my one thing. The disrespect's got to stop. That's pretty heavy. All righty. Thank you guys so much for bearing with us. This episode was a little bit longer, but we were gone for like a month. So we had a lot of stuff to talk about. But other than that, um, thank you guys for always listening. Give us a rating on Facebook. Five stars if you love us. One star if you don't. But if you give us one star, make sure to leave a comment so we know how to get better. All right. Other than that, I want to make the post, follow the link. You'll find all our social media there. You'll find where you can listen to us on all the platforms that we're on. And uh, yeah, I'm Nick. I had Greg on me with today. As always, this was another episode of Ohio Verse presented by Deep Dive Sports. And uh, we'll catch you in a couple weeks on the next episode. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ohio Verse. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show and sporting news in Ohio, go ahead and follow Ohio Verse Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you. And catch you on the next one.